Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. It is a Wednesday edition of the show. Want to say hello to everybody in the chat that is uh, watching and will be interacting with us this afternoon. We got a fun topic to get into. Even though the Bucks don't have a game this week because they are on the bye, we still have the Pewter Report podcast. This is a great opportunity to kind of reassess what we've seen from the Bucks over the first four games of their season and also uh, kind of discuss which players have improved the most in this 2023 season. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me as a special guest from Bucks Wire on USA Today. It is River Wells. River is fairly new to the Bucks media docket, but River, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. How's it going, my man? It's going good. How about you? I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm doing, always love talking Bucks football. Yeah. yeah, doing very, very well. Um, just real quick before we continue to talk about the Bucks, just uh, let everyone know where they can find you on social media, what you do over at Bucks Wire, and uh, yeah, anything else. Yeah, um, I'm the managing editor at Bucks Wire, uh, and you can so I, I run the whole you know site. I post most of the articles, do most of the coverage. Um, I've got some two writers that that work with me as well, but. I kind of oversee it and uh, you can find me at river H Wells on Twitter. That's where I live tweet, uh, tweet from practice, post some of my articles, uh, all that. So you can find my coverage there. mostly. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. So we are five weeks into the NFL season. Hello to everybody, by the way, Nathan Elliott says, hi, Shaggy says, Hey, Hey, Tampa Bay, Charlie Abrams throwing out the, uh, Maddie diamonds logo or, uh, new nickname so appreciate that um all right so the Bucks are <laughs> it goes back i got a gambling <laughs> show peter picks and props i'll get into that uh later on the show but um bucks are three and one i think they've exceeded a lot of people's expectations uh, mostly the national media but river for you what was kind of like your thoughts going into this season what you were thinking the bucks were going to do this year especially with baker as the starting quarterback they've considerably exceeded my expectations. Um, I thought that the number one pick talk was kind of ridiculous going into the offseason, but I didn't yeah. think they'd be a great football team. Uh, I had them at about 5-12, and 6-11, and they've already won three games, and they're going to win quite a few more, I think. So uh, definitely exceeded my expectations. There were a lot of things that I thought were kind of one-point problems, but it doesn't look like that, and a lot of the roster's coming together very nicely, and – one of the biggest things for me has been Dave Canales has absolutely showed out as offensive coordinator and really has this offense firing. So uh, I think he's been a huge reason that the team has found the success it has and will continue to find the success. It has. Yeah. What do you make of him? I mean, you've been at the press conferences with, with everyone else when Canales, um, you know, is up at the podium speaking to people. 
How would you describe him to someone that's maybe a football fan but isn't crazy familiar with either Canales or just the, the Bucks in general on offense? The thing that I'm always most impressed with when it comes to Canales is if you ask him a question that's a sentence, you know, he'll give you so much in return, like, you know, almost yeah. a novel of really, and, and not fluff, you know, really interesting stuff about offensive schemes and, and his philosophy. And he's very interesting to talk to. And you can tell he knows his stuff. When I first heard him talk at press conferences, I immediately thought, oh, this guy definitely knows what he's talking about. So, um, and he, I think he's definitely proven that uh, over the course of the season, his schemes and, uh, you know, use of play action and motion is yeah. definitely a breath of fresh air for this team that didn't do a lot of those things in 2022. So. Right. I, I think that's the biggest thing. And I'm a little past, like, everyone is taking their shots at Byron Leftwich by now. Everyone's kind of knocked him. So I'm kind of moving on from kicking right. a man while he's down, that that type of thing. But you're you're absolutely right in, in the sense of this offense is bringing so many more different things. And granted, it was going to be different anyway with a new coordinator yes, in there. Sure. But even just as exotic as it can be sometimes, just simplifying a, a lot of stuff of like, okay, we're going to run the ball this way and we're going to commit to running the football. I think that's been big, even though they've kind of been up and down with running and just putting certain receivers in motion, running certain route concepts that aren't the most difficult to figure out, but at the same time are way more effective, I think has really helped this offense moving forward. So let's talk a little bit about you know, the topic of this headline of which Bucks players have improved the most. Cause I think one of them without question, and this is a big question mark going into the season was the offensive line and right tackle Luke Gedeke, what he's been able to do so far this season has been, you want to talk about exceeding expectations. This is more than just exceeding expectations. This is blowing everybody away with what he's been able to do. Absolutely. I've been very critical of Luke Gedeke in the past, and uh, I thought he had a little a bit of a rough and down, or a bit of a rough up and down preseason. But let me tell you, throughout the regular season, him and Morris have anchored at those sides of the line, and he's improved vastly uh, at right tackle. Especially, you saw it in the Saints game. He got beat a little bit early on in the game, but from that point on, I mean, he locked down Cam Jordan quite a bit, and he's been a stalwart at that side where the interior line's been a little bit shaky, but. He's been a big reason why this offensive line, I think, has been pretty good in pass protection over the first four weeks. Yeah, we've knocked Robert Hainsey for kind of the struggles that he's had on the interior, obviously starting at center. But there was a lot of questions about offensive tackle with Gedeke moving to mm -hmm. right tackle after playing guard, even with Tristan Wirfs. Not maybe necessarily questions about Tristan, because we all know how talented he is, but even Tristan was questioning himself at training camp, saying that he had all of these worries. He wasn't sure if he's going to be able to perform at the highest level. And here we are, five weeks into the season, Bucks in first place at three and one. Tristan Wirfs is one of the league leaders at offensive tackle with the fewest amount of pressures allowed. And Luke, at your point, locking up Cam Jordan is one thing, but when he did it, when it was most needed was that touchdown to Devin Tompkins yes, late in the game against sure. the Saints. Baker Mayfield could have went to the beach, come back, and still would have had enough time to throw and, and hit Devin Tompkins for that touchdown. Absolutely. He had Jordan locked up that entire play on the right side, and it kind of gave Mayfield some breathing room on that right side to find Tompkins eventually. So big kudos to him for uh, improving, and that sort of thing is exactly what the Bucks needed to 
to be as successful as they have. You know, there were a few things I, in the offseason. I was like, oh, well, this yeah. and this and this and this needs to happen. And I didn't know how much of it was going to. But Gedeke playing like he has is definitely a big reason why I think they've been able to move the ball through the air. And they're a pretty, pretty good passing offense. Um, I think they're uh, by, by a dropback EPA in the top 10 in the league. So they're, um, they're pretty good at that yeah. so far. And that's a big reason why. It's been very key for them. We got a comment from Mark Fisher who says, did you see Kedeke flip a defenseman, defensive lineman <laughs> over and then lay on top of him? I don't think it was a defensive lineman. It was actually Pete Werner, who's one of their uh, kind of like gadget utility um, linebackers. But he blitzed in on the play and get, yeah, Kedeke stopped him and then just laid on top of him. And it was funny because Kedeke actually spoke about that recently. He's like, yeah, I didn't even know. If that was legal, um, I'm going to have to read the rule book again. But he's like, yeah, I did it because how else are you going to keep him down? So um, that was pretty funny to see. So we'll take a little behind the scenes look here. Maybe not necessarily behind the scenes, but uh, on Monday, typically for those that don't know, on Monday after a Bucks game, we get to speak to Todd Bowles. And, you know, Bowles will give us a lot of injury updates, other questions that, you know, maybe weren't asked on, on Sunday after the game. But because the Bucs have a bye week coming up, there's no other media availability. So the Bucks PR staff was kind enough to uh, not just only give us Todd Bowles, but we were able to speak to Dave Canales as well. And then on top of that, we got Luke Gedeke. And um, the interesting thing was for Gedeke, we had him like in the Bucks media room where we only do that from time to time, whether it's like a new signing or like a new head coaching hire. So this is some footage that, not too many people have. We were there, Pewter Report, so we have it. Uh, just a couple of quick videos of Luke Gedeke. The first one, he talks about his um, his move back to right tackle, how much he's enjoying it, and how, uh, you know, there are a lot of haters during the draft process that didn't want him to play tackle for a certain specific reason, which uh, Luke Gedeke goes into. Yeah, I mean, it feels great being back at right tackle. I mean... Obviously, I was criticized during the draft process that I wouldn't be a good tackle because I had abnormally short arms, but these are the only arms I know, and obviously I've held my own the first four weeks and everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I love being at right tackle. I mean, regardless where the coaches want me to play, I would play anywhere, given the opportunity, and I would try and play to the best of my ability. Of course. But right tackle, yeah, I I love playing right tackle. I mean, I feel like... Uh, during OTAs and everything, kind of uh, kind of got the muscle memory back a little bit and everything. And now, as the year goes on, it's really just working on technique more and more as the, as the time goes and everything, and just kind of really, really continuing to grow as a as a right tackle. How, how much? Apologies for the uh, video formatting. I had it one way, and then when you when you edit it the, the other way, it didn't uh, go all the way. But you got to see his hat pretty nicely. But I love what he nice had to hat. say. Yeah. yeah, very nice hat. Uh, I loved what he had to say about just uh, these are the only arms I know. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. This next video, Gedeke talks a lot about um, his relationship with Tristan Wirfs, which obviously is very important to him, and how they've kind of shared notes with each other because Tristan Wirfs was at right tackle, so he could help him a lot in that sense and obviously just their overall relationship. And then you may have noticed in the game against the saints, there was one moment in the game where Gedeke actually shifted over and lined up on the left side next to Tristan Wirfs. And the saints called a timeout because they were like, what the hell is going on here? So he talked a little bit about lining up on that left side as well. Ideas off each other back and forth all the time. He's, 
he's a really good friend of mine and I, I can't thank him enough for how much he's helped me. Um, but yeah, just uh, being able to pick his mind about uh, just his approach on uh, attacking different guys and everything. And then just like, just having that conversation with him, like what he's thinking this week, what I'm thinking this week, mm -hmm. um, how, how we're thinking we should attack blocks here and there and stuff like that. It's so really just having him, I, I mean, I love being able to be a uh, tackle with him and really hold down the left and right side together. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just brings me great pride knowing I get to play with him out there. To your point about being willing to play anywhere, you did shift over to the left side for a play or two. How comfortable were you moving to that side? And did you say to Tristan at all, like, hey man, I can do it too? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it definitely still it still felt comfortable and everything, but no, I didn't, I didn't say it. Anyway, good stuff from Luke Gedeke there. River, if you're going to give a grade for the Bucks offensive line through uh, four games, what what would you give them? That's a very good question, um, and uh, I think the interior is still a little shaky to me, and that would be Filer, Hainsey, Mock. Um, but I've been pretty impressed with both Worfs and Gedeke. So maybe maybe like a C plus, you know, okay. B minus. Um, I think a big reason why the pass game has worked so well is because uh, Gedeke and Worfs are able to protect the edge. But I think a big part of the run game was uh, so far this season, uh, which it was decent against the Saints, actually. And, and I mentioned this in a few articles, but some stats at the end of the game might be a little deceiving because they had to run out the clock. Um, yeah. But, uh, I think a lot of that is the struggles from the interior line um, and, you know, get a key or sorry, mock is getting used to playing football at this level as a rookie. Um, and then, you know, Hainsey wasn't supposed to start just like it wasn't supposed to start last year. And then you got Filer coming in after his year he had in, in uh, Los Angeles, the chargers. So yeah, that's probably where I'd put it. Um, if that interior improves, they could, the offense can get up and running. And I still think there's a little bit more to be seen out of this offense with Canales kind of, Wearing the ropes and everyone kind of gelling, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think it's a reasonable grade that you're giving. I'd probably bump it up to a B or maybe I, I think a solid B because the the pass protection has actually been pretty good. Has Mayfield bailed them out at times? Yeah, I mean absolutely. He's been making plays with his legs, and you saw it a lot against the Saints. But For you sure. know, he got sacked what once against Minnesota. None against the Bears, twice against the Eagles, and only once against the Saints. I mean, that's a pretty, and that's pretty huge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a that's a pretty Absolutely. good job uh, moving forward. I'll ask you now, River. Um, let's kind of switch gears a little bit. I mean, you could take mm -hmm. this in any direction you want to, but who's another player that you would say is um, has improved the most this season for the Bucks? I want to give a quick shout out to Joe Tryon Shayinka. Okay, uh, interesting. The reason being is that he already has half the amount of sacks he had last year through four games. Um, and I think his ability to get pressures and get hurries was something that he did last year uh, decently well, but I think, you know, we've seen it um, quite a bit this year as well. And getting that finishing ability and power coming off the edge, I think he's definitely improved in that aspect. And going after the bye, I think he can still – be disruptive and rack up some more sacks this year. So I like what I've seen out of him for the first four weeks. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know what to make of JTS just yet, because I, I think in his career so far, it's been like, hey, he has all the physical tools and traits, and he'll get into the backfield, but then it's like, can he get the rest of the job done? The finishing that, power. Yeah, yeah the finishing part. part. And yeah. 
What concerns me a little bit is like, okay, the game against the Bears, I think arguably was his greatest game as a pass rusher for sure. the Bucks. Had two sacks in the game, was dominant, had that great get off on one of his sacks where I thought he was offsides, but he wasn't. It was just great timing, which is <laughs> yeah. crazy too, because when you look at the NFL and all these offensive linemen are getting away with these false starts so they can get back into their stance, but they call it on the D lineman all the time. Sure, he was great against the Bears, but where was that against the Eagles? We didn't see it at all. And then that's fair. For sure. outside that was definitely line, one of his worst games. Yeah, and then outside linebacker as a unit the last two weeks. Now they made some nice tackles, especially on Sunday. Yaya Diaby was great with a um with that tackle for loss. And maybe it was a product of the Saints, and Todd Bowles kind of alluded to this that the Saints were just getting rid of the ball quick, so it's difficult to yeah. The outside linebackers on the edge to make a play. But I feel like the last two games, maybe not just JTS, but outside linebacker in general, hasn't totally come about in the way that we want it to. Now, again, you have to balance everything because they were great against the Bears, struggled against the right. Eagles. But that concerns me a little bit. I mean, they had one quarterback hit against the Eagles. And, you know, against the Saints, I believe they only had one quarterback hit as well. Yeah, and that's definitely something to note for sure. That Eagles offensive line is kind of yeah. ridiculous. Um, so there's that. But also, I think another thing that JTS needed to work on was his run defense. And I agree. Was setting the edge, and I think he has done better at that. Um, in particular, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I believe PFF had uh, the Saints game as the second highest uh, run defense game. So he's 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 improving on that metric for sure, and, and that's something you'd like to see. So I think overall, it's getting a little bit better and well rounded. The yeah. Bears game definitely was good, and, and you're right. Um, definitely could see some more QB hits the past uh, few weeks as well. That Saints scheme is very quick throw. and, and It is. On, and I think Todd Bowles did a great job exploiting that to beat the Saints. Um, Especially so, Alvin Kamara, 13 receptions for 33 yards. Like That's almost unheard of in today's NFL. For sure, yeah. They like to throw it you know, short in the screens, and then they like to take their deep shots. So you know, dropping two safeties back and then putting a spy on guys like Kamara was huge because it limits all their points of attack. So huge props to Todd Bowles for instilling that sort of game plan and really shutting them down there. So um yeah, it's it, it is a good point, but I think we're going to see a little bit more out of him and out of the other edge rushers too as they face some more teams where matchups might be more favorable. Yeah, um, but yeah, if you want to hang with the big the big dogs, you do got to get past lines like Philadelphia's because you know they exist. So uh, we'll see how that goes later. Yeah, the, there's no question about it. I just for me with the outside linebacker in general, I just want more consistency. I think more than anything else, like. Sure, you love the great games against the Bears, but I would rather have a little more mainstay of production right. overall than just yeah. getting shot out of a cannon one game and then you know disappearing for the next two. Now, uh, this guy, we can't say he's improved because he's a rookie, but sticking with outside linebacker, uh, what have you seen from Yaya Diaby or what have you liked about him so far early in his career? Um, Yaya is very explosive, and it seems like it's a little bit up and down. He... The, getting into the backfield in the Saints game, you know, was I think a great display of what he could be uh, consistently because yeah. he's. I always say whenever I'd see him in camp, he's he's a physical specimen for sure, um, unbelievable. So yeah, I think as a rookie, doing making plays like that is a good first step forward. And edge rushers are really hard position to get used to right off the bat, but things like that make me excited about what he could end up becoming uh, as he develops the pass rusher, you know, rotationally. 
Yeah, I truly believe Yaya can become a freak of nature. I mean, he just has like he's a, a physical specimen of a human being. I was talking to him in the locker room this week and we fist bumped at the end. And I was like, how are we both human? Like his hands gigantic. I, I was telling Scott Reynolds, PeterReport.com. I was like, I feel like I just punched a rock, like just fist bumping. Yeah. It's um it's truly incredible what I think Yaya can do, as uh, Nathan Elliott says. Yaya will be a lot of fun for Bucks fans. Yeah, he's already like Listen, everyone's different. They they go about their ways and social media in different ways. Right. But Yaya's been like very interactive with the fans. Maybe not like a Rashad White level just, just yet, but um, he, he's he's on there on social media a ton. He was wearing the Friday Night Lights jersey the other day at pra- uh, before the game, which I thought was truly awesome. So yeah, I'm excited for what Tampa Bay can do with um, Yaya Diaby. And another thing that everyone should really be excited about is getting your hands on some of the great flavors at Celsius Energy Drinks. That's right. Make Celsius your number one pick. Shout out to the Oasis Vibe, one of their truly amazing flavors. Can't go wrong either with their newest flavor out on the market that's available, which is the Cosmic Vibe, which is a sparkling fruit punch. And you heard me tell you guys before how strawberry lemonade is one of my favorites and uh, the Arctic Vibe is uh, arguably my, my favorite as well. So there's no sugar, no uh, you know post-energy drink jitters or crashes that you might get with another product out there. So if you need to know where to find a Celsius energy drink, go to the uh, store locator on their website, punch in your address, and it'll tell you the closest geographical location where you can pick up a Celsius energy drink, whether it's your local Walmart, Target, convenience store, health and fitness store, or your bodega. And then once you keep going to your bodegas and you love Celsius so much and you want to get it in bulk, I'd recommend getting that variety pack because, like I said, there's so many awesome flavors and variety is the spice of life. So you can get uh, you can get Celsius in bulk by going to Amazon. You click on the subscribe and save, and you can have it sent to your residence every week, month, quarterly, yearly, whenever you want it. Just make Celsius your number one pick. Celsius, the official energy drink of PeterReport.com. All right, River, I'll. Uh, Give the floor to you once again. Are there any other players, um, in your opinion, that should be of this conversation of the most improved Bucks in 2023? Sure. I wanted to give commendations to Zion McCollum real quick. Yes. Um, there we go. Because he's not perfect, but think about how you've been without Jamel Dean. You've been without Carlton Davis, right, certain games. And he's stepped up. Um, he's made some good plays in coverage. He's improved on a lot of the things that in preseason I was a little shaky on. Uh, things like tackling still kind of need to improve. But he had a really good pass breakup against the Bears, and he had that great hit uh, to blow up a screen against yes. the Nates, um, as well that we saw him and Devin White. So fantastic uh, on that end. And, you know, when you're a player like him on the depth chart, you want to come in and still be able to produce for the team and, and fill in when, you know, guys like Carlton and uh, Jamel can't be there. And I think he's done a great job at that. So definitely got to give him props. 
Yeah, I think there's an argument to be made that Zion McCollum has taken the biggest jump from year one to year mm-hmm. two. Because last year, he did get injured in during training camp. And I think that really reflected on his development as an NFL player. I think it slowed it down uh, way more than I, I, I think was what was expected yeah. of him. And he had to start in some games because of the injuries to Carlton and, and Jamel and he looked a little overwhelmed at times. Granted, he was going up against some good talent, but he missed a ton of tackles. So to your point about the big play he made against Chris Olave, that's exactly what we've all For wanted sure. to see from Zion. Absolutely. And he just looks like a completely different player this year. I mean, he's always smiling and, and having a good time. But you could tell that he's been hanging out with Carlton Davis because the confidence is just through the roof. And he's flying around, but playing controlled and in the right way. And you know, yeah, they lost against the Eagles, but it wasn't because Zion going up against A.J. Brown and, and Devontae Smith. You know, like Zion was able to hold his own against two of the best receivers in the game. He almost had that interception against the Bears if he could have just kept his feet. Or I guess the receiver knocked it out of his hands at the end. But, you know, he's got yeah. the speed. He's got the vision. He's just really understanding the game quite well and, and trusting his instincts. And he's a guy that talked a lot about consistency as well, especially with the fact that, you know, Carlton's already missed two games. He just came back. Jamel Dean just missed a game. I think sooner rather than later, like not this season, but Zion is going to be a huge part of this defense and eventually will be a starter. Yeah, I mean, people always talk about in the draft process, why do you go with these players who are super raw and athletic but may not have the other stuff and, you know, bring them into the NFL. And I think Zion McCollum's a great example of that. I believe by RAS score, he's one of the most athletic cornerbacks to ever yes. come out of the NFL combine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with guys like Yaya Diaby, too, uh, physical specimens, you you can you believe you can train these guys and coach them up to be something really special. And that ability is kind of showing out sometimes when you look at Zion so far this year and that he's understanding the game it's going a little slower for him and he's making plays that he definitely didn't make last year yeah um, so if that trajectory continues and he can really iron out some of the kinks um absolutely because he's got all the physical talent in the world and we've seen i think some glimpses of what that could become when he's been playing and, and relief really guys like joe and carlton davis so something to be excited about something to watch you know to see if yeah. he can maintain that consistency but Overall, like I said, I've been I've been fairly impressed with how he's he's been able to perform while while, while playing so far these past few weeks. Got a comment from Wade Butler who says, "Peter, report. Do you think Zion McConnell will replace Jamel Dean, and do you think the Bucks should release Dean in the off season?" Well, they just signed him to a pretty lucrative contract, so they, they can't they can't even release him if they wanted right. to. And yeah. I think it's way 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 too early to start thinking about getting rid of Jamel Dean. Now, has Jamel Dean struggled when he's played this year? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question about it. But he's also a huge focal point of this team. You know, he's been on the roster since they won the Super Bowl in 2020, even before that. And I don't think two or three bad games should warrant the Bucs completely moving on from someone that's already established himself as a great corner in this league. I think at the end of the day, as impressive as Zion has been, 
the Bucks defense is still at its best when you have Carlton Davis on one side and Jamel Dean on the other. I still no think question. Zion no still question. needs a little bit more of um, you know, just development as a player. He's only in his second year. And corner, I think, is it goes quarterback, cornerback, and then I'd say defensive tackle. Outside linebacker is very much in that conversation as well. But like the four toughest positions going from college to the NFL. So, you know, cornerback, it takes a lot of time. Don't give up on Jamel Dean just yet. No, absolutely not. Um, and again, McCollum's taking strides, and Dean has not played particularly well this year, but we've seen a lot of what Jamel Dean can do on this yeah. team, and that's why he got signed that extension, and that's why the Bucks wanted to keep him. So I think definitely um, give it a few games, even you know past four games, and then uh, after the bye week when he's all healed up, you could start seeing him return to form. It hasn't been perfect, but players have streaks. Players do this and that, yeah, but we've seen exactly. what Jamal Dean can do. And um, I think there's no reason to believe that that will never come back out again. So right. with that veteran experience, absolutely stick by Jamal Dean. And, and that pairing of him and Carlton Davis, just like it was, you know, back at Auburn. Um, yeah. Definitely, <laughs> definitely uh, has done a lot of great work for Tampa Bay. Yeah, I agree with you. I just think that, like Zion is going to be needed at some point. He's already been needed this season. Depth is always Unfortunately, important. depth is always important. The Bucks have shown that they have better depth than what people thought it was going to be. Sure. And you hate to say it, but something's probably going to happen to Carlton and, and Jamel either continuing this season or possibly next season too. So Zion, whether he's starting or not, will still be very, very uh, important to this, uh, this defense. Got a question, a good question from Mark Fisher who asks, um, do you feel Winfield, talking about Antoine Winfield Jr., is improved, yeah. or is he just allowed to show who he always was? I think this is a good question. Um, I'll, I'll just speak on this real quick, then we'll get your answer to it, River. Sure. I think we have to remember that Antoine Winfield Jr. played in the slot last season. and yep, exactly. Um, and I think that just, his numbers were down. I don't think that meant that he was playing any worse. He's just, you're in a different spot. So you react to things differently and uh, you're just different bounces go your way and things of that nature. Now that he's back in his natural free safety position, you're seeing him like blitz up the line of scrimmage a lot more and kind of make the big plays as, as a safety deep down the field, like with that pass breakup. So I really think just switching the positions more than anything else was the, the biggest determining factor. Took the words right out of my mouth. Um, uh, apologies. No, of course. Um, that's exactly it. I think he's he's more natural in his position as a safety, and I think it's done leaps and bounds to show the type of player that he is. And a lot of people have been questioning his coverage, and I don't really get that to a degree. He made it. He saved the touchdown against the Saints uh, yeah. on that deep ball, and then also had a really nice play against Chicago where Cole Komet was going. I think it was Cole Komet was going to catch a ball near the sideline. Yeah, and he pushed it out right at the last. Yep. It was gorgeous. So. I think he's done definitely well in coverage, and I think he just feels so natural in that safety position now that he's back there that he's just kind of showing, reminding everybody who he is, which is right now he's playing like one of the best safeties in the league. In so, so, yeah, I was actually – I wanted to ask you that. Like, what do you think the ceiling is for him? Like, is it – I don't know if he's necessarily the best safety in the league right now. He's pretty damn close. But I think yeah. he's guaranteed to be a Pro Bowl player this year. and. For sure. I don't think it would shock anybody if he ends up getting uh, getting uh, all pro nod. 
Yeah, there's a lot of great safeties to contend with. Um, I believe Jesse Bates third is playing very well right now in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, Andre Sisco is playing very well uh, for the Jaguars. So a lot of tough competition there. But right now, I don't know if you really have been watching and paying attention personally. He's been a major force in pretty much every game Tampa Bay's played. He's been a wrecking ball. He's forced fumbles. He's knocked balls out of the hands of receivers. He's all over the field. So I definitely think he's playing like one of the best safeties in the league. And if he continues to stretch a play for 17 games, I, I don't think it's out of the question personally um, at all. I think he's playing lights out. Clack five white says Winfield equals mighty mouse. Uh, he definitely <laughs> is mighty for sure. Uh, let me ask you this when it comes to certain contract situations, uh, we talked a ton about Mike Evans in general, Absolutely. but looking a little further down the road after this season, the bucks have a lot of decisions to make. Devin white Big ones. spoken about a ton, uh, yeah. extending Tristan Wirfs, extending Antoine Winfield jr. If Baker keeps playing well, remember he's only on a one-year contract, so they got to do something with that. Where does Winfield rank in terms of the pecking order of we have to make sure we have this guy under contract for the Bucs? Well, of course, this is all personal opinion. Um, Yeah. In my personal opinion, I have not been high on Devin White the past few seasons. Yeah. Uh, He's improved this year, I think, um, considerably in many respects. Uh, but I would put Winfield above the pecking order simply because I think he's been a playmaker in numerous aspects more often than White has, in my opinion. Um, so I think that's going to be a really important one. Uh, White, however, he has a lot of talent. He's played very well this year to start off, especially that sideline to sideline speed at linebacker is invaluable. So, and I do think the front office values Evan White considerably. Um, especially because of that, that very unique skill set that he has shown to to apply so far. So a lot of tough decisions, but I'm a big Anton Winfield person. Um, I think yeah. he's very important to this team's defense. And safety is kind of like, in a way, similar to how I feel about tight end as to where there's, it's hard to get a really good safety and then there's a drop-off kind of. I agree. There's few people. So locking one up like that might be pretty important, especially with Anton Winfield's versatility. We've seen him sack quarterbacks and strip make strip sacks and knock the ball out of people's hands and then you know have his hands basically knock balls out of out of receivers when they're about to make catches it's it's pretty impressive so i think he's a playmaker overall and i think that's very important i think he's he's been the best player on defense for the bucks you could make the case for vita Vey sure. too um yeah he's, he's been, been he's been very good yeah he's i in my opinion he's been the best defensive player for the Bucs. i'm talking about antoine winfield jr yeah um, and Devin White has been solid, but again, for the money that he wants, I don't know if you're getting that production from him. Absolutely. And I yeah, think we've seen before that inside linebacker can be replaceable. Yeah. You know, like you don't see a ton of inside linebackers get drafted in the top five. Now, granted, Devin White did. He was right. the fifth overall pick for them. So if mm-hmm. I'm choosing my order, I'm going, I think I'm still going Tristan Wirfs first because he's such a great such a great offensive tackle moving to the left side. Winfield does get hurt here and there. I'm not saying he's crazy injury prone. No, that's and, fair. And has gotten hurt too, but you know, left tackles, once you have that, you got to keep that set. In I think Morris is probably the best football player on the team. Yeah. So I, I mean that, that um, 
invaluable either. And I was very critical of the team's decision to move Worfs from right to left. I made a really? column about it. Yes, I was not a fan of it. What was and your man, issue? Just, just he's so great at right tackle. You're well, messing with perfection. Yeah, from my perspective, it was like if you keep Worfs at right tackle, you need a pretty big hole at left tackle, right? And then if you move Worfs to left tackle, you have a big hole at right tackle and a minor question at left tackle. Yeah. So that was kind of my philosophy behind it, especially given how Worfs was pretty critical of it. But let me tell you, he has proven me wrong and then some. He has yeah. been fantastic <laughs> at left tackle. He's an animal. Uh, so I think that's definitely priority number one, I would agree. Getting an extension done and making sure he stays in Tampa Bay long term is going to probably be uh, the top thing that they try and get done. I agree. And we'll see how the season plays out, but I would go Werfs, Winfield. I put Baker mm -hmm. three because like quarterback's the most important position in football, then right. Mike Evans, and then Devin White. And again, it's not even, I'm not even trying to be disrespectful to Devin White. It's just, it's kind of, it is what it is right now with yeah, the financial situation of, uh, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if you want to figure out your financial situation, make sure you have the best finances possible. It's best to use a Muni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations, we're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. That's right. Immunity Financial has proudly been serving clients across the country since 1980. They can help you out with a number of different things, including brokerage services, investment banking, uh, insurance services, annuities, and sales and trading. They have different offices across the country. So you don't have to just be in Colorado or Tampa. You could be anywhere in the United States. You could be in, you know, DC for, for all you wanted. Um, so give Immuni Financial a call, get a free consultation, doesn't hurt, it's absolutely free, and uh, check out how Immuni Financial can help out you. River, I didn't mean to cut you off before going to the commercial. That's my but... bad, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't read that. Um, I want to ask you, Yeah, I think Baker Mayfield, his deal is one of probably the bigger stories of the offseason, in my opinion, because given how he's playing right now, that's a big decision to make, especially building around the rest of the roster. So I want to ask you, what type of deal do you think he could get? And what do you think the Bucks should go for? Because the first thing I think of, I think of what he might command is the Geno Smith deal that yeah. Seattle gave. So something probably like that. I believe that's, I'm looking at it now. I think that's three years, 105. Okay. Um, so, what do you? What is your take on that? What do you think they should do with Baker? Should he continue to play this way for the whole? Yeah, season? It, it's it's so funny you say that because I was actually going to bring up Baker as someone that's also most improved. Now, granted, he didn't play for the Bucks last season, but given his situation of getting, uh, you know, getting cut by Carolina and a brief cup of coffee with the Rams, you can't help but say that that baker mayfield has absolutely uh, improved this season obviously just getting a, another starting job and it's so funny to see how the narrative has changed about baker because it was oh you got baker mayfield as a quarterback you're gonna be a top five and now every single publication is like oh my god baker mayfield is the reason that the bucks are doing this and blah 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 and they're in first place but 
to answer your question, I so the Geno Smith thing will be very interesting because there is that similar trajectory of right. This guy's on his last chance. He's kind of, you know, failed in the league to a degree. Oh, but now he's fixed. We'll see how Seattle does this year. But I, I think part of it, and Daniel Jones fell into this as well, is yes, you did pretty good for one season, but can you continue to do that from here on out? I don't think if if the Bucks have a, a solid season and Baker's a big reason for it, I still feel like you have to keep in mind that he's got to be able to produce again and again. So I think the Geno deal is relatively fair. The other side of it is, you know, Baker's still young. I think he's like 28. If he's I'm not 28. Yeah, yes. he's 28. So if Baker does pan out this season, and he does next year as well, and you could still franchise tag him if you wanted to. I don't think that's the worst idea. Uh, well, quarterback money is. He's going to go for it. Yeah, well, yeah. that would be interesting uh, in the But theoretically – you could have Baker for the next 10 years if you really do think that he is your guy. So I think the, the Geno Smith deal is probably good because you can get out of it relatively quickly enough if it all kind of goes into shambles and you still have a definitive answer for the next two or three seasons as your starting quarterback. So I, I think that's probably the right answer. I think teams are learning from... Again, Daniel Jones, if you watched Monday night's game, that if you have too many questions about a guy, then maybe he just isn't your dude. And we're also only four games into the season. But what do you think? Exactly. That's a good question. That's something to note. It, it, it is early. The Bucks are 3-1, and one and they look pretty good, but it is early. Um, and, and that goes for Baker Mayfield as well. I've been pretty impressed with what he's been able to do in Dave Canales' offense. Uh, but that's going to be an interesting question because, like we've talked about, there's a lot of people to pay here in the offseason. Um, yeah. And depending how Baker Mayfield's season ends, you know, could he play himself out of a, a out of a contract? You know, could he um, could he take a a lesser deal kind of like he did this year, not as this year, but like, you know, a three or four year deal. Like yeah. That. It's going to be something to note because there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks coming into the draft. There's going to be uh, this and that. So I think he's playing well enough. And if he plays this well, the entire year, there's going to be some, some want to get a deal done with him long-term uh, or at least long-term ish. But knowing what we know about, the 2024 free agency situation. If you want to keep Mike Evans, you want to keep them white, you want to keep Anton Winfield. That's going to be something you got to think about is do yeah. we want to commit to someone like this for three or four more years? So you want to try and take a flyer on, you know, a rookie quarterback with the money that could command. It's going to be interesting for sure. But I think part of it as well is like, do you really want to pay Mike Evans Absolutely, but, but but also have a rookie quarterback. Yeah, absolutely, um, and that would be interesting too because you, you would be tying my, an, an old older Mike Evans up, you know, uh, long term too. So he, he's 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 thirty years old, and he's there's going to be questions about that. Yeah, understandably going forward. I actually um, I I wouldn't hate because. This quarterback draft is so deep. This quarterback that's, class is so deep this that's year. That's part that, of the intrigue, I think, this year. I, I would sure. almost sign Baker, and again, with the caveat of how the rest of the season plays out, I would almost right. re-sign Baker to that two, three-year deal 
and then draft the quarterback in like the third round and try to develop that guy. Because to be honest, and the Bucs haven't done this with Kyle Trask, but you look across the league and there are a number of quarterbacks that have sat. And then when they finally get their time, they're at least functional or serviceable. I think Jordan yeah. loves a good, good uh, example of that right now. You know, the Packers aren't stellar, but they're not, you know, complete crap and are going to be drafting in the top five. Right. And of course, everyone always wants to bring up Patrick Mahomes sat for a, for a little while, even Aaron Rodgers back in the day with, with Brett Favre. So there are certain examples of just letting a guy gain information and, and see what he can do. And once he gets an opportunity a couple of years in, I don't necessarily hate that idea, but it's also the Bucks had that with Kyle Trask and, and failed to do so. Now, granted there's, new coaches on the offensive side that right. it may be differently if you have a new quarterback in. Exactly. There's a lot of ways to go uh, with that. So it might not necessarily be like, oh, Baker's playing bad. Oh, Baker's playing great. The financial mm-hmm. situation and whether you believe in him for the long term, like you said, is pretty crucial. And I'm curious to see where they go with it, especially yeah. after the season ends, because again, many things can happen from here on to the end of the year. But as it stands right now, he's playing good football. The Bucks are three and one, and I think yeah. they definitively look like the best team in the NFC South right now. So, oh, I think they have the best quarterback in the NFC South with Baker, and yeah, I do think they have the, the best team as well. I think we should take into consideration a big reason why the Bucks are three and one. I would say more than anything else is the defensive performance. Let's not forget that no Shaq Barrett pick six eased a lot of the tensions of Bucks fans as the Bears had the ball with a chance to win. And, right. yes, the the Bucks scored 26 points. Granted, 10 of those points, or may, maybe 14, came from either the forced fumble by Antoine Winfield Jr. in the second quarter or the Saints going for it on fourth down in their own territory. So the defense did help out a lot with the points that uh, the Bucks were able to score. But right now they're just playing – Really good complimentary football. So let me ask you, River, um, what have you liked what you've seen from this box team moving forward? And, um, you know, where are some areas of improvement that you would like from from the whole unit? I just did an article on this. The Bucks defense right now is sixth in EPA per play and DVOA right now. Yeah. NFL, which is that pays the bills. Um, that's it fantastic. Does. So. That's going to be a huge thing going forward. That defense is going to get them wins, no question. And their ability to get turnovers when last year the turnovers just didn't seem to come, um, they're definitely mm-hmm. coming this year in, in a big way. And that's I think that's a big reason why the Bucks' offense has been able to capitalize and score those points. I like the defense quite a bit. I like the passing game. I like the way Dave Canales calls plays in that instance. Uh, I think uh, the motion, you know, pre-snap stuff, use of play action, and Baker Mayfield's mobility going into that has made this a pretty impressive passing unit. The run game needs to improve at some point. Um, yeah. It's got to – if they really mean to contend and, and possibly win, you know, a wild card game or, or whatever, um, that's got to get better for sure. And, and that's that's on the interior offensive line. Um, you know, the running backs I had there. I think Rashad White's done pretty decent given what he's had to work with, but uh, that's got to get better for sure. Yeah, I was curious. Oh, sorry, go ahead. uh, I was going to say, and uh, interestingly enough, I believe I saw this, the team is really good at converting on third down Mm -hmm. offensively, but they also go three and out a lot. 
They do, uh, which is which is a weird dichotomy. You think, well, how is that possible? And and that could be a number of things. You know, defensive turnovers, field position, yada yada. So being more consistent on that end and not getting to those third downs <laughs> as much, right, is going to be a big part of this offense as well going forward. So they got to probably fix that too. Yeah, it's like people forget that you don't have to wait till third down to convert it. You can right. just <laughs> yeah. you know get it on. Second down, which which would be nice at times. But you mentioned the run game real quick and Rashad White. So you're so like you don't think Rashad is is too much at fault for the lack of uh, of the running game so far early on in this season. He is somewhat, I think. Um, I don't think it's all his fault. Uh, I think there's a lot of things he does really well. Um, I I like. I like some of his his um, the way he maneuvers the ball around the line. Sometimes he can he can kind of bounce out and get some extra yards. But the interior line is not great, and a lot of the play calling sometimes has him trying to go through those gaps, and they just kind of fold and collapse. And I don't know if you know Christian McCaffrey can do well with some of those yeah. <laughs> those, those instances. So it's definitely on him a little bit. Um, there's some things that he could get better at as a running back for sure. You know, explosive. You know coming off the line and stuff like that, but not, not entirely at his fault. No, I think there's, there's things he's doing well still that just, there's some things that are out of his control. Yeah. You've seen when he's been able to go to the outside, he's definitely been way more uh, efficient. And I still think the bucks are figuring out their rotation. I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn got snaps. Which was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They kind of moved on from Sean Tucker. I'm curious how much of that though is, because as a running back, you also got to be able to pass block in the passing game. And I think yes. Sean Tucker has struggled with that early on. Mm-hmm. And he's mostly yeah. been in just running plays, which is an indicator to the defense. Oh, he's in the game. Stack the box. The running play. The football. Yeah. So I, I wonder how much that uh, has to deal with it. For sure. It's, they just got to figure out either by calling certain amount of plays, um, figuring out how to maneuver around the interior line or the interior line, you know, improving, they have to get a little bit better at that. If they want to really have a chance to do something uh, in the postseason, I think it's going to be a requirement because as we've seen, um, they've played some, some good, de- I think the saints have a good defense. Yes. And they, I agree. They really, they really played well against that saints defense and they played some bad teams like uh, the bears and the Vikings, but yeah, when the Eagles came to town, it, it was kind of a, I think, a benchmark for where this team is exactly at in the pecking order. And if you want to be able to hang with those type of teams, you're going to have to become a more well-rounded offense. And that doesn't include just the, the great passing offense that we've seen. Uh, it includes being able to run the football and being able to establish that as a threat for defenses, right? Defenses yeah. don't want to ignore your run game and just drop into coverage. So stuff like that I think is going to be important. I think that is very well said. And for, uh, you know, fans of Peter Report that have been watching my show, Peter Picks and Props, you've heard me talk a lot about the Bucks' run game and Rashad White because a lot of times I'll uh, either have a higher or lower on his either yards or, or rushing attempts. Mm-hmm. which, of course, I use on Underdog Fantasy. Um, their pick'em game is so much fun to play. Uh, it's a single-player game where you got to pick at least two players, one from each team, uh, but you could go all the way up to five picks. The more picks you make, and you're just going ha- higher or lower on the stats that they provide for each player, whether it's passing yards for a quarterback or receiving yards for a wide receiver, you pick at least two. You can go all the way up to five and uh, the more picks you make, the more 
double the money you can make as well. So you can win up to 10 times your money with uh, Underdog Fantasy and the Pick'ems. I'd also recommend using the insurance as well. That just means, say you make five picks, if four out of the five hit and you use the insurance, you'd still walk away with some money, not as much as uh, you know if you hit all five. But if you don't use the insurance and you hit four out of the five, you don't end up with any money at all. But Underdog Fantasy is so much fun to play. Use the promo code Pewter, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, get a uh, first deposit bonus, and you can play the Pick'ems, you could do the Rivals, they got a lot of in-game uh, tournaments as well. So, Underdog Fantasy, use that promo code Pewter. All right, River, as we begin to wind down the show, uh, another position, we've talked about this position, but not necessarily some of the other players in it, and they, they did very well on Sunday, and that's a wide receiver outside of, uh, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Devin Tompkins had a touchdown. Trey Palmer had a touchdown. What is your confidence level in them moving forward in situations where, you know, Mike's injury isn't too serious, but if a situation does arise where either Mike and Chris can't play, can these guys get the job done? I am sky high on Trey Palmer. Um, sky I've talked, high. I've I talked about it before. I think he, I think he had a great catch for that touchdown over a defensive back uh, against the Saints, and a lot of attention gets brought to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin if you're a defense, because obviously those are some two great receiving players, and, and you got to pay attention to them. But I think Trey Palmer could could shine, you know, given given the the ability to, and I'm, I'm really excited to see how he develops as a player going forward because it's still been four four weeks, but. I really like that touchdown pass. Um, he's made some good catches otherwise, so really excited about that. Tompkins is pretty interesting. Um, I think he does decent as a, as a return man, and I think he's got a limited role as a wide receiver, but as we saw against the Saints, he, he was able to get open and, and make that catch um, for the touchdown, so possibly another threat that they could they could pull out and use. He's definitely very fast, and he's got yeah. really nice ups, which is, for someone of his size, is, is pretty valuable. So. Yeah, we were saying in the media room yesterday, it's like Devin Tompkins almost would prefer to have to like jump or dive for the ball versus just like making a regular standard catch while yeah. you're either standing or just on the run or whatever. I would like to see with Tompkins, I would prefer him like if they just got him the ball in so many different ways. Once he has the ball, I think he can like do a lot of great things. I mean, every time they've done the end around, it's been relatively successful. I was just about to bring up the end around because yeah. that went for did that go for like ten or eleven yards when they did it the first time? It went for a first um, down. So we're yeah, so and he's very fast. So utilizing that for him might be really good to fit him into the offense. And again, if you only use him for that, defenses are going to pick up on it. But I right. think he's definitely shown that that can be something that he can be used for and, and can come out with like a burst on the offense because he's quick and he usually gets around the end. So, uh, yeah, that's what I think was most, in, sure. most important for the last game. You know, after Mike went out, there's no re replacing the production that Mike Evans is going to bring. But you saw everyone at least give a little contribution here or there. Yeah. Like Tompkins racked up the yards and, and got the touchdown. Trey Palmer, outside of the touchdown, was relatively quiet in the game, but he had that touchdown. You can't take that away. Same thing right. with Kate Odden. Scored the first touchdown of the game for Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. So everyone's just, like, doing a little bit to add their piece to the puzzle, which I think is um, going to be super important for this team moving forward. 
River, it's been uh, it's been so great talking to you during this show. Really appreciate your time and uh, joining us this afternoon. One more time, just tell everybody where they could find you uh, on your social media and all the great work that you're doing with uh, with the Bucks Wire. Absolutely, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm always down to talk some Bucks football. Yeah, so uh, I'll be around. Um, you can go to my social media on Twitter at uh, River H Wells. You can go directly to the website Bucks Wire. Uh, put it in Google, it should come up, buxfire.usatoday.com. And all of my articles and coverage gets posted there as well. Uh, I do a number of things, uh, talk about, you know, I do box report cards. I do, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, studs and does the series we do. We talk about, you know, who's trending up and down. So a lot of analysis like that, uh, you can find me uh, doing that. So check that out. Check out my Twitter. I'm at practices. I'm at games. Um, live tweeting, etc. So, come on now. Yeah, great. Make sure you check out his work, and then also uh, make sure, please, that you are following us on Pewter Report social media. We're on X, Instagram, Threads, and Facebook at Pewter Report, and then of course our YouTube channel, which you're on right now, is Pewter Report TV. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We got the podcast multiple times a week. We got different video from practice each day and press conferences from the players and coaches and everything like that. So uh, we're trying to grow this YouTube channel as much as we possibly can. So please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Pewter Report TV. That's going to do it for us on today's show. We have another one coming up tomorrow at 4 p.m. But until then, for River Wells, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we will see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Oh, we always do the peace sign for Antoine Winfield Jr. Oh, there you go.